You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of Special Reports on Legal Talk Network. This is Lawrence Coletti and I'm the host for today's show, which is being recorded on location at the 2015 Annual Florida Bar Convention in the amazing Boca Raton Resort and Club in, of course, Boca Raton, Florida. We're here to cover this event and its highlights for you, our listeners. And joining me now, I have a very esteemed panel of guests. I'm going to uh, first start off with the moderator, Miss Cece Berman. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Now, the rest of everyone here are judges, and so I'm going to be very careful about the introductions here uh, because I have deference for the court. And so I'm going to start off. We have Judge Stephanie Ray. We have Judge Morris Silberman. And we have Judge Richard Suarez. Welcome to the show. Your honors. Thank you. Good afternoon. Thank you. So you were part of an event called, it was a seminar as part of the uh, the annual Florida Bar Convention uh, called Differences Among the DCAs. And so but before we get into covering that, I wanted to go around the table, have everybody tell us where you're from and where you preside. And I understand, Cece, you're not a judge, but uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks. I'm an appellate attorney in Tampa, Florida with an appellate law firm, Brannick & Humphreys, and I'm currently chairing the appellate practice section of the Florida Bar. Judge Ray. Uh, hi, my name is Stephanie Ray, and I serve on the First District Court of Appeal. Our headquarters is based in Tallahassee, but we serve over 32 counties, or 32 counties in Florida, and it's primarily the panhandle of Florida from about Jacksonville to Pensacola and down to Gainesville. Great. Judge Silberman. I'm Morris Silberman. I'm a judge on the Second District Court of Appeal. We have uh, buildings in Lakeland, our headquarters, and Tampa is our branch. 16 judges on the court. We cover 14 counties, uh, which is divided into five circuits. I've been on the court since 2001. Judge Suarez. Uh, I'm Richard Suarez. I'm from the Third District Court of Appeal. We're based in Miami. We cover the 11th Circuit, which is Dade County, and Monroe County, and Dade County is being the largest judicial circuit in Florida. Excellent. So my first question, I want to get started. Uh, differences among the DCAs. Cece, why do we have an event called Differences Among the DCAs? What, what's important to make distinctions between the different districts? Well, here at the Florida Bar Convention, we've got attorneys from all over the state of Florida. They're practicing in all of the different district courts of appeal in Florida, and all of those different courts of appeal don't always do everything the same way. So we wanted to give everyone an opportunity to see what the differences are between the various courts to help them when they're practicing before those courts. On the, on the literature for the uh, program, I see we've got several areas that were, were uh, discussed and, and touched upon. So I've got motion practice, use of law clerks, staff attorneys, decision-making, opinion writing, oral arguments, and my favorite, do's or don'ts. So let's start with motion practice uh, amongst the different districts. So what, what comes out as a highlight for that? What are the differences? The uh, courts generally do things very similarly, but each court has a history and a tradition. So there are some differences among us. In our court, the motions are generally considered by a panel of judges until the case is assigned to a panel before oral argument or an oral argument wave panel. Once it's assigned, then that panel or the primary judge on the panel will make an initial determination. But the judges get all sorts of motions. We consider things as simple as extensions of time to enlargement of briefs or maybe some, something very unusual, relinquishing jurisdiction, for example. But we all do things quite similarly in that regard. Okay, and then uh, use of law clerks, how is that different from district to district? 
Well, this is Stephanie Ray from the First District Court of Appeal, and some differences include that at my court, for example, our lawyers not only summarize the cases, but they provide recommendations to the panel of judges. Not all of the district courts utilize their lawyers in that capacity. We find that very helpful. Um, for the lawyers to actually crunch the law and try to provide a recommendation on how they think the case should be uh, resolved. And as a judge, we don't always agree with our law clerks, but we certainly take their recommendation very seriously. Does anybody have anything to add to that? No, I think basically, as Rick Suarez, basically we all, all the, all the DCAs use their research assistants in basically the same ways. Now, my court, the memo does not get distributed. Uh, my clerks will do a two-page memo to me once I've read the briefs and made my own determination, then I'll look at their memo, and if we're in agreement, that's fine. If we're not, we sit down and discuss why we're not in agreement, and then we decide what questions need to be asked at oral argument to make a determination and get those, those, those problems together and answered. Uh, how about staff attorneys? What are some of the differences there? Well, as uh Judge Suarez and Judge Ray were talking about, we all have two staff attorneys per judge. The courts have central staff attorneys who handle motions, writs, certain kinds of things that are uh, specific for them to do. But one of the questions we always get asked is, well, how much influence does a staff attorney have over the ultimate outcome? And every one of us will tell you the ultimate decision is that of the judge. Each judge is responsible to make his or her own decision, but we get invaluable assistance from attorneys who may be new out of law school or they may have been with individual courts for 20 plus years. Uh, but they are invaluable assistants, but the ball goes to the judge and as the saying goes, the buck stops here. Okay, and uh, decision-making. I'm sure a lot of people are, are uh, anxious to hear a little bit about that, you know, the differences in the decision paradigms that go amongst the different districts. But uh, what are you finding? Uh, what are the differences there? And, and is there a particular area of law that uh, maybe the, the void between them is, is quite, I guess, immense compared to the next? Or how does that work? I, I don't think there is. I, the decision-making really evolves down to basically what we were talking about before. The briefs come in. Uh, and then it depends on how you operate with your research assistants and arrive at a decision before you go to oral argument. You may sit down and, and like I do, they give me a memo, I read the briefs, I do my research, then I look at their memo. If we're in agreement, that's fine. If we're not, we sit down and discuss why not. And that all goes into the decision. Then we go to oral argument. Then after oral argument, we get those questions answered. The three judges actually go into conference immediately and they sit down and discuss again, and discuss on, on what each judge feels is the right outcome for the case, and they discuss it and try and arrive at a, at a solution. So I'm gonna skip right to the last one, which is the do's and the don'ts, because that's my favorite. So as far as the do's and don'ts, if, if, uh, if you could give some advice to attorneys coming into, into your district, uh, what would it be? What, what should they definitely do, and what should they certainly not do, their don'ts? Well, in terms of a, a, a do, I think it, there was a, a consistent thing among the panel that brevity is key. Okay. That for attorneys to try to be as concise as possible with their arguments and get to the root of the legal issue that's before the court, and that will enable us to uh, make a better and a more informed decision, as opposed to writing flowerly, flowerly briefs or having overly extended oral arguments that really um, detract from the main legal issues before us. Okay, so that seems like a simultaneous do and a don't. 
Yes, I think that's right. Okay, let's see. Let's move on to uh, Judge Silverman. Uh, how about a do and don't from your district? Well, one of the things that your listeners should know and may want to understand as far as the courts, we do three primary things. We read, we research, and we write. Our actual appearance on the bench is relatively a small part of what we do. So anything that lawyers can do to help us focus on the key issues, the key facts of a case, the applicable law on those issues is the best thing that they can do. Uh, In oral argument, the worst thing they can do, is maybe not the worst, there are probably a few (laughs) worst, but one of the worst is talking over a judge. If a judge is asking a question, let the judge finish his or her question and then answer it. You can't win a debate by keeping a judge from asking the question. Oral argument is also a great opportunity to understand what the court is concerned about and to address those things before the court goes back in conference and makes a decision. So when you're at oral argument, listen, answer the question as directly and succinctly as you can. And if you have an explanation, give the explanation. But you want to be direct, you want to be brief, as Judge Ray said, but give us what you what we need to make a decision and what you need to make the point. Judge Suarez. I think the most important thing that we all have the same opinion of is in the brief writing, keep it short, distinct, remember what the issues are, remember what our standard of review is, gear your facts to that so it's, it's short. We don't want to read 25 pages of facts that have nothing to do with what we have to decide. Take us on a path in your opinion. Start out at point A and take us all the way to where you want us to go. Lay your cases out. Don't give us string sites. Uh, that, that's just impossible. Don't do it. And in oral argument, there's nothing worse than asking a question that is so obvious it had to be asked because no case is perfect and every case ha- may have a little flaw and every attorney should know that flaw. So it, you should be prepared for that question. And there's nothing worse than a judge asking a question and have the attorney stare at you point blank and have no idea how to answer the question. You, you have to know where it's coming from and be prepared for the question. Great. All right, so Cece, I want to loop you back into the conversation. Now, you as an attorney, you got to sit amongst the judges today and discuss and and, uh, formulate some ideas. And so as an attorney, what were your biggest takeaways from, from the seminar? Definitely my biggest takeaway from the seminar is to know and understand the court you're practicing in front of. Take the time to learn what the judges do and don't want to hear, what they do and do not like, and what it is they do at their respective court. And if you do that, you should be, I hope, successful practicing at any of those courts. Great. Is it, you notice that it was brief? That was a very nice That's answer. Very, yes. I One thing I'll add to that is know the rules of each court because each court has some unique internal operating procedures and they're publicly known. They're on the websites or in the papers that go out to the uh, parties. But know what your court expects and what they require and every court has some nuances. That actually uh, brings me to a great closing question. So uh, I know I'm from Colorado. I'm a Colorado attorney and you know, depending on what court you go to, um, there's going to be some different rules some different timing and, and everything that you have to deal with and you have to learn that. But in Colorado, at least the last time I was checking in, it's not always easy to find. So when in, in terms of procedures, in terms of timing, uh, things that the attorneys need to know, uh, where to go, what's the best place in your districts to do that? What, what advice would you give them? 
Well, we post and the First District Court of Appeal our internal operating procedures, the rules for our court on our website, and they're prominently featured on our website, but practitioners also have to read the appellate rules and be familiar with those. Those are kind of the, the, the minimum uh, guidelines that they need to be familiar with and certainly look to each court's IOPs for some additional guide, guidelines and practice pointers that they may want to adhere to. The Second District Court of Appeal, exactly the same. We post online our internal procedures. Uh, we're actually working on some tips that we have put together at different seminars, and we may post that online as well. And then the rules of appellate procedure uh, make a big difference knowing them. Just worse. Same thing as the third, except the only difference is uh, know the rules of procedure, and online on our website, we have administrative orders, not the entire IOP, but administrative orders to lay out anything that may be a difference or may be a, a nuance from the rules of, of, of appellate procedure. Okay. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. I, uh, we're running out of time today, but I think that's some wonderful tidbits to, uh, to leave the audience and uh, the members of the Florida Bar. So if our uh, listeners wanted to get a hold of you, especially if they are from the Florida Bar, is there a good way they can reach you? Is that, is that permitted? Can, we, uh, can bar members reach out and uh, talk to the judges? They can, and uh, they can attend seminars like this, and they can attend all the seminars that we put out throughout the year in our respective districts. Okay. And probably the best way to get more information about the uh, appellate practice in Florida is through the Florida Bar Appellate Practice section, and I know Cece can uh, tell more about that now, or she can be reached through her firm, and she'll give them lots of great information. All right. Well, Cece, I guess we turn, uh, turn our focus to you. Absolutely. That's the case. Uh, folks can reach out to me at my firm, uh, reach out to the Florida Bar's Appellate Practice section, which has a website with lots of information, talks about who our leadership is, if you want to reach out and get more information. And then from there, take advantage of all the CLE programs that we offer that cover just these types of uh, topics. Great. Great. Well, thank you so much again. This has been another edition of Special Reports. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Until next time, thank you for listening. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.